0: Hello and welcome to another instalment of the Film Criticism module podcasts. Uh, I'm Lily Edwards-Hill and I'm joined with Luke Brown and we're talking about Black Swan. Um, So my main focus for this video essay that I'm going to eventually be doing is going to be focused on the relationship between the mother and the daughter in the film. I think it's like a key aspect of her journey and i think what we talked about in the discussion today as well how we can argue that it is a coming of age film be that a twisted one (laughs)
1: it's definitely not your traditional coming of age film no Um, it's no you know it's no ladybird
0: no it's not although i might end up bringing that into it if i do like
1: i think that's if you're looking specifically at the relationship between mother and daughter ladybird is if you want to talk about coming of age films definitely one that can have comparisons drawn just due to the the nature of the narrative of both films yeah i
0: think as well i was talking to jose i was saying that like if i ended up doing a more concentrated piece on mother and daughter relationships then i would probably use that as another point Mm. of call when talking about other films
1: do you want to do like a kind of brief explanation of the narrative yeah. of Black Swan? I think that's helpful to those who haven't seen it. Yes. Without, without spoiling too no much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so it is a psychological horror. Um, it follows the path of Nina, who is a ballerina, um, working for a New York production of Swan Lake. Um, and she auditions to be the swan queen which is where you play both the white and the black swan and it follows her journey essentially um, with her relationship with her mum who is a retired ballerina and her I guess you would say probably abusive um, ballerina director Um, and she basically becomes crazy uh it's her descent into madness um and her journey for perfection or what she sees as perfection Mm. um and it's also i guess coupled with her rivalry with another ballerina played by mila kunis which is the character of lily and yeah, I guess that's a brief summary without giving too much away.
1: Without going too too in depth into it. Yeah, I think that's a good explanation of of the narrative. Um, I think it is an interest, uh, definitely a, a, an interesting and a difficult narrative to yeah. describe, given that our you know our focal character, um, Nina goes goes mad essentially and everything we see is from her perspective so it's a question of how much of the narrative truly happens yeah
0: i i think that's a good sort of point to make in terms of like the reliable narrator Mm. um towards the beginning it does a sort of good job of really defining what is real and what isn't so i think probably one of the first parts where we are introduced to a sort of body horror Almost element where she peels the skin <laughs> up the back of her finger mm. um, and then very like quickly like the shot after we see that it wasn't real yeah. it's not what she saw and there's a clear distinction between um, what she sees and what is actually happening and the further on the film goes the more it sort of starts to blur the lines yeah. of whether we believe what we're seeing or not essentially.
1: That was definitely something that struck me. This was my first time watching the film um, and I, I didn't have a great frame of reference before mm. seeing this, having only seen one other of Aronofsky's films, Requiem for a Dream <laughs> which is a whole nother beast Jesus in Christ. itself <laughs> um, but I feel like there is a lot in Black Swan that is reminiscent of Requiem for yeah, a Dream, definitely. Um, the questioning <clears throat> of mental health and mental state is very consistent. Yeah, definitely. I haven't seen, how, I mean the other film of his that I think, oh, from what I've heard, is similar is mm. Mother. Yes. That seems to be he likes to make films <laughs> that make you question <laughs> the character's uh, narration.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, I definitely think that yeah, it's a very important part of this film, um, and and I think something you could very easily focus on. But I mean, I think you said you wanted to focus on the mother-daughter relationship yes. in it. Why why that specifically?
0: Um, it just really struck me when, especially when thinking of it as a twisted sort of coming-of-age film, um, the way. Natalie Portman plays her character is incredible mm. um and you can see why she won awards for it because if you look at sort of the the way Nina is played at the beginning compared to the way Nina is played at the end there's such a shift in character and like i mean we were discussing today like at the beginning especially with like her room it almost feels like a child in an adult's body um
1: i mean she literally at one point in the f- Kind of second half of the film says to her mother, "I'm not a twelve-year-old yeah, anymore." Exactly. I think that's very that emblematic. Is, of yeah,
0: that. I, I think that was definitely one of the clips I was considering putting in my um, one minute
1: in the Petrichor. Yeah, in the Petrichor,
0: yeah. because I, it is a pinnacle point in that um, thing. But I think I decided against it and chose the one where um, her mum asks to take her top off and she says no for the first time yeah because i feel like that from that point on in the film it's really like she is off now she is sort of understanding that her mum be that from a place of care or not is extremely overbearing
1: yeah i um i think you could almost describe that as her transition into the black swan yes definitely. she begins as an arguably pure I think the director of the production calls it virginal yeah at one point character and becomes a character that believes at one point that she's killed somebody yeah and well seemingly has no no real issue with that continues on with the ballet yeah so I I think yeah I mean that's Obviously, an intentional transition from yeah, white definitely. to black swan, um, and
0: like I think at, at one point they even discuss her virginity when she yes. um, goes for drinks with her the ballet director. Mm. Um, so yeah, there is like a heavy sort of implication on this, like untouched sort of innocent child-like sort of character. Um, I
1: don't think I've asked, but why? why did you choose black swan
0: hmm well other than the fact it's like one of my favorite films it's in my top four so i just i love it so i knew that like it would be easier for me to sort of create something about something that i was already passionate about and i just remember watching it for the first time i i went in not even knowing it was a horror so I was, watching it for the first time with me was such a like an experience and I love films that sort of end and you just sort of sat there going, what have I just watched?
1: Reminds me of something that Harry said about Once Upon a Time in America. Mm. In, in that podcast he said that something that drew him to that film was the fact that the final shot of... of um, Robert De Niro smiling leaves you something to kind of soak in. Yeah. And I feel like um even though you're not, you know, the credits don't roll over an image of Natalie Portman, you you have a pretty similar image at the end of her yeah. just staring up at the stage lights, yeah. smiling, thinking that she has achieved perfection.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um
1: I think that is something that that really sticks with you. Yeah, especially after all of the incredibly messed up stuff that you've just witnessed.
0: <laughs> exactly, and I think it builds another reason why I love this film so much is it, it. feels like it's such a nice build, like to the climax. I mean, I've watched it probably like ten times now, mm. and like every time I get goosebumps at the end because it's just so perfectly like led up to it. And I, I think as well, like if you ever watch it again, you'll notice so many things that you didn't yeah. beforehand and I think that's a lot to do as well with the way um the director shoots his films and although I've only seen uh Requiem for a Dream from his other hmm. films from what I've heard it's he uses like similar camera techniques and how he shoots things is similar to how he's done it in Black Swan and I think um the way he like adds little things like he when he he'll move the camera but just before it exits the shot you'll see something really quickly and it'll be gone and i think that really helps like subconsciously build the tension even if you hadn't actually sort of acknowledged that you'd seen it
1: Uh, yeah i think that that is something i definitely felt with with black swan is that the feeling of things being almost at the edge of your vision you know in your peripherals um of both your vision and your mind i think adds to the feeling that this is essentially a two hour long panic attack yeah you 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 can't fully um you can't fully focus on everything and there are just things creeping creeping around the edge yeah um and i think that also helps you get into the mental mental state of of Nina you know at one point she goes crying to the director saying that someone is like out to get her yeah and i think that's reflected in the filmmaking techniques that are used
0: yeah definitely and to go back to the mother daughter relationship yeah. i think um we were talking about it today i i didn't know but um the actress that plays the mother was in sort of like some famous 80s sort of films and apparently she sort of was usually portrayed as like a nice sort of person, which I think contrasts with how she was casted in this film and I think the casting for this was perfect because, like, I mean, the contrast between Mila Kunis and um, Natalie Portman is... I mean,
1: I think they have very different star images. Yeah. And I think that I mean, isn't necessary in background information to understand no, no. the film. But it, it really adds to it Definitely. if you have seen their like, you know, their other things. Um, yeah. I think it's interesting that Natalie Portman, I feel like, is seen as a more kind of pure mm. individual considering her her cinematic debut was yes. in on the professional <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is definitely not a film that portrays her as that
0: no <laughs> yeah when it comes to sort of the fascination with the mother-daughter relationship especially in this film um i think it's really sort of complex and um woven into basically the entirety of the film's narrative um obviously her mum being an ex-ballerina you have this sense of her sort of vicariously living through her daughter and that conversation um they have together where um she talks about how she like gave up her career to Mm -hmm. have Nina um and Nina sort of makes the side comment of how she was 28 like she was never going to have a career, whether I mean, she had this child or not.
1: At one point, I think, right at the end, as, as Nina storms out, she literally says, I am the swan queen and yeah. you never left someone, the court. You never left the court. <laughs> um, but we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think that's really sort of like pinnacle in their relationship. She is sort of envious of her child as well because it's sort of at the beginning it seems way more like I said, her vicariously living to her child, she wants to push her to sort of be what she couldn't. But when Nina starts actually doing it and, like, getting the role and sort of committing to the role, really, uh, it almost seems like the mum is trying to sabotage her. Like, Mm. she doesn't want her to succeed anymore because she realises that part of her succeeding is also part of her growing up um yeah. i
1: i think that's something that then also adds to Nina's eventual mental break yeah that feeling of kind of being stuck between two her, her two role model figures or two of her role model figures in the film at least her mother and the the stage director yeah are these two incredibly toxic presences in her life which are toxic for very different reasons yeah one is trying to push her forward no matter what that means to her and her body yeah and the other is becoming so envious that it's trying to hold her back and that push and pull yeah i think leads her to as the stage director wants her to lose herself yeah um i don't know if you what you make of this? Um, but I think something I found quite interesting was the way in which the person that she looks up to most isn't her mother, despite sharing the same profession. It's one of the character, Beth. Beth. Um, you know, what did you make of that relationship?
0: I th- I thought it was very, it was interesting because I mean, before going into that, like you said, with the fact the sort of push and pull kind of. Motion she's forced into um, and I think uh, like her trying to find her identity within that is reflected a lot through the director's use of mirrors um, I think like that scene where she's getting her dress fitted and like she sort of leans and it's sort of like jarringly is not in time and I think mirrors throughout the film are are really important. And I mean, just in ballet in general, like mirrors are such a big theme. Um,
1: This is going to be very off topic to do with Black Swan, (laughs) but having seen um, Don't Worry Darling before I saw Black Swan, I definitely now notice how the kind of use of the mirrors in that and the asynchronous movements between real life and the mirror was very much inspired by Mm. Black Swan, I feel.
0: Yes, I think uh, the director uses that very well. I think he's probably used it in quite a lot of his other films as well. Um, And the relationship (laughs) with Beth, um, I think, is partly used just to sort of portray her mental state obviously hmm. like it's like she's seeing herself in a way like a, an extension of herself yeah um because obviously beth was the swan queen before her yes and what are i mean we're led to believe also uh, in a be that sexual romantic relationship with the director um and I think that's reflected as well how she sees herself in Beth when she goes to the hospital the second time and yes. it turns into her. Um and she's like saying, I'm nothing or nothing and she's like got the uh The nail file. Nail file, yeah. Um I it's think a horrific scene. It is horrible. Uh, Jose was <laughs> covering his eyes. Um but yeah, no, I think that sort of hammers it home that she sees Beth as an extension of herself, really.
1: I think that's also quite an interesting um, quite an interesting part of the film in the way that that role of not only the Spawn Queen but the obsession of the stage director is kind of a cyclical Mm. thing it's from one woman to the next to the next I mean you can only assume that well I mean I think you literally see it throughout that he's already, before the end of the film, he's moved on to um, Mila Kunis' character. Yeah. Despite beginning the film completely obsessed with Natalie Portman. Yeah. So I think that's something that's quite interesting. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think the film, in a way, sort of makes a mockery of him in Mm. the sense of um, he calls Beth his little princess, And obviously that's cringe. (laughs) (laughs) It was quite cringy, quite uncomfortable. And you see, like, throughout, like, Nina saying, oh, like, that's just for Beth. Like, that's... Beth is his. Um, And then obviously we ultimately see at the end his last interaction with her. He calls her his little princess. And it's sort of like the idea that he really does just sort of... It is a cycle and, Mm. um, yeah...
1: I, th- I again going back to what I was saying about the push and the pull, mm. I think it is interesting how the relationship between uh, Nina and um, Toma, the um, stage director, and Nina and her mother are so so different. I think that is something. Yeah. If you wanted to, you could definitely explore. Definitely, I
0: I think it is such a good contrast with it, especially sort of in the last the climax of the film, the last scenes, um, when she first dances the part of the black swan on stage and then she rushes off and kisses the director. And I, I felt that as sort of like her way of taking back some sort of control in a way. And in in a similar sense, her last sort of look b- between her mum is sort of like, I'm I'm gone now. <laughs> Sort yeah. Of thing.
1: Yeah, no, most most definitely that final look. I mean I I think it's both for me at least it was both a, a defiant look who I've become. I've yeah. become perfect despite what you wanted. Yeah. Um but I also feel there was something mournful. Yeah, definitely. In it I think the the white swan part of her yeah. personality almost want was longing for that which she'd lost through the film
0: yes definitely i think that as well because obviously at that point she is playing the white swan when she says essentially goodbye to her mother and so yeah i think that sort of sense of mourning is carried on through that as well
1: yes i think like i was saying earlier the final the final shot I think it is important that the final person that she looks at in the crowd is her mother, but also the fact that the final person that with her is that's with her, isn't. Yes. You know, it's. We've seen their relationship become incredibly strained through the film, and that's kind of the final break, the final goodbye, as you yeah as you were saying. Um, and the fact that the, direct, the stage director's there, and he calls her. His little princess, which is uncomfortable, almost <laughs> yeah. as uncomfortable as almost a body horror. Yeah. Film. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that kind of emphasises the fact that even if she is, you know, mournful for it, mm. it is lost.
0: It has to be done um, in order to pursue art.
1: And I think, I mean, yeah, I feel like that's an obvious reflection of the story of the ballet itself.
0: Yeah. Definitely.
1: Um, so, having discussed all of these elements of the film, how do you think you're now going to kind of carry on towards your video essay, and what do you think will be the main kind of the main focus of it?
0: Yeah. So, I think I will still probably heavily focus on the mother-daughter relationship, purely because I just think it's fascinating, and I think there's a lot you can talk about. Uh, when it comes to that. But I also think uh, probably now after the discussion um, we've had in class and here on the podcast I think there's a lot to say about um, the way uh, this could be seen as a coming of age film and I also like the push and the pull between the three characters of the director, the mum and the daughter and I think that that trio is probably a very interesting dynamic to delve into. So I think I think as a whole, that's what Black Swan represents, really. Yeah. So, yeah, this has been a conversation for film criticism about Black Swan. Uh, thank you for listening.